We're looking at Luke 2, and uh, this is the fourth uh, study of Luke chapter 2, and we're considering today uh, verse, uh, verse 10 and 11. The angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So it, it, it wasn't obvious why the angels had come and who this baby was. It needed an explanation. It needed a messenger from God to tell people, to explain to them who the baby was and why there was such celestial excitement. No one would have understood that without that exegesis, that's the buzzword, the, the explanation that a messenger from God brings. And so we go to church and we concentrate on the good, the good news, the most wonderful news that could ever a mortal hear, tidings of great joy which are to all people. So at the heart of the Christian message, there's uh, not a, a rule book. Uh, there's not a list of commandments, a moral code. But at the very heart of the Christian faith is a message of, of who God is and what he's done for his world. A statement of life-transforming facts, of news. The gospel is good news. And so the angel says, I've come to bring you good news. Something has happened in this groaning world. It's the facticity of the birth of one particular baby boy. And all the good news is concentrated on him. And so um, this baby isn't Mr. Everyman. This baby isn't uh, Mr. Representative Person. Um, in other words, this isn't a humanistic story that every birth of every child is wonderful and that the uh, shepherds then for a moment grasp that and say, well, isn't it wonderful? Babies being born are wonderful. That's not the message. This is a, a very different baby from everyone else, a unique baby. And it's focused on the identity of who this baby is that made it good news and different from every other baby. So the good news was that Christ has been born. Christ has been born. Christ then is the uh, uh, Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah and the uh, Greek word Christos, Christ, and that means the anointed one, uh, one who has been set apart by anointing anointing of God. Symbolically would be in oil, but the reality would be uh, the new gift and the new ability uh, and the new strength and conviction and power and energy that this person had, the new character he had, the new mission he was given, and the enabling to fulfill that mission that God gave him. He was anointed king, born in David's town, who would crush the head of the serpent. He was the um, anointed priest who would make atonement by his death on the cross. And here is then the anointed teacher 
who preached the Sermon on the Mount and gave the great parables and the discourses in, in John's Gospel. Here he is, the one spoken of many times in the Old Testament. He's coming! And he's come. And that's where the first chapter of the New Testament begins with the announcement to Mary and to Joseph about the coming, the conception, the generation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this word uh, Christ is significant in one little odd feature in that uh, Jesus rarely applied it to himself and he rarely encouraged other people to apply it to him. Generally, he talked of himself as the Son of Man. Um, and Jesus in, even discouraged people from calling him the Christ or telling other people about him yet because he wanted a, a few years to teach these country boys, these fishermen, he wanted to teach them and instruct them about the kingdom of God and who he was and why it was necessary for him to come into the world. But he did say, uh, remember the woman at the well at Sacha where um, he's in Samaria and uh, she says, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I know that's going to happen in the future. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. So there were times when he acknowledged very clearly that he was the Messiah. But not so much in Israel because he didn't want to be hunted like a partridge in the wilderness by Herod uh, and Pilate and the Sanhedrin and arrest him. He wanted time with his boys to teach them and instruct them for a few years and let them listen to the teaching and answer the questions in the sort of seminars that he held. They had wrong ideas about what a messianic kingdom was and certainly the, uh, the Jews had wrong ideas and so Jesus wanted time to dissociate himself from wrong ideas about what a Messiah was. Um, it was the kingdom of Jesus, the Messiah, was going to be different from every other kind of kingdom. It, was, it wasn't political. It didn't have borders. It didn't have immigration officials and customs officers. It was a spiritual kingdom. It was the reign over you, the lordship over you, of God himself, uh, God protecting you and guiding you. It was a, a kingdom of wonderful privileges. You had a new birth from heaven. You had justification before God. Your sins were all pardoned and you were clothed with the righteousness of God. You were adopted into the family of God. You were assured of the love of God. You had peace of conscience. You had uh, joy in the Holy Spirit and a great anticipation of entry into heaven when you died. And uh, this stable-born Messiah is saying, I can't fulfill all your, all your hopes of an earthly kingdom when the mother of James and John came to him and said, could I ask you for a special favor for my boys? Could one sit on your right hand and one sit on your left hand when you come into your kingdom? Jesus had to disillusion her 
and explain to her that his kingdom wasn't like that. Uh, and our kingdom, we don't have a place in the sun in Aberystwyth. We don't have social prestige. We don't have a music program and techniques which will solve all the phobias and neuroses and longings and itches that everybody in Aberystwyth has. We can't offer them that. We can offer them a Messiah who is Jesus Christ the Lord. So we say to people, don't, don't join our church on the basis of some misunderstanding. We can only offer you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. That's all that we can offer you. And that's a great deal, is it not? So it was a spiritual kingdom. And then Jesus' messiahship then. Um, greatness is going to have a special meaning. Greatness is not uh, being voted the, the man of the year. Greatness isn't reporters hanging around your doors and paparazzi chasing you everywhere. Uh, and uh, people screaming for your autograph. And you having a lot of money and press attention. And the media going weak at the knees if they can see you coming into a small town. Nothing at all like that. That isn't greatness at all. Uh, greatness in this kingdom is about being a servant. If there was uh, my, uh, I went to a prayer meeting in my son-in-law's uh, church in London three weeks ago when I was at the Westminster Conference and there were 18 of us praying in a circle there at the end after Gary had spoken on, uh, on regeneration. And there was a, um, a man from Angola there and we went home afterwards. Gary stayed talking to people. And then the phone went. And Gary was on his mobile to Larry. And he said, uh, get a bed ready for tonight. This Angolan has been uh, thrown out by his wife. Because uh, he doesn't accept the health and wealth teaching. That she is wild about. And their church is wild about. That is, if you give... Ten pounds to God, God will give a hundred pounds to you. And that God wants all of us to have a Mercedes and a big house and so on. And he doesn't believe that any longer. And so she said, well, you can go. He didn't have anywhere to stay. And I looked at Larry now, and uh, Larry had me staying with her, and Yola and Ian staying with her, and she got a bed ready straight away without a quibble. And the man stayed for six nights. And I thought, ah, they've got servants' hearts, haven't they? That can do that for an Angolan who's only been to the church on two previous Sundays. That's greatness. Greatness is giving. Greatness is serving. The Son of Man, he didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life and he washes the feet of his disciples that's messianic greatness so it isn't a political kingdom and its greatness consists of serving and then thirdly this messianic kingdom isn't going to be spread by the world's methods by the world's techniques by bombastic power and threats and by Kalashnikovs and by bombing and by the horrible things that Islam uses to spread 
its influence in the world today. All the horrors that we are confronted with all the time. So the chief priests want to kill Jesus. They bribe people and lie about him. And they put him to death on a cross to strangle the infant church in its crib before it can spread. But uh, Jesus came to give his life and he came to suffer and he said uh, that the gospel was to be preached and taught and that the life of the Christian was a life of love and joy and peace. And God honored that and created that. And the difference then between us and the world's methods of spreading the gospel, all the psychological trickery that the world uses, has got no place at all in the, in the church. So, he's born to you. He's born the Messiah. The Christ would be born to you. And secondly, he says... The angel says, the Lord has been born to you. And he uses this word, uh, it's kyrios, and uh, it looks in two directions, this word does that. The baby is the Messiah, the anointed one, the baby is then the Lord. And um, that was used in the secular world of uh, Jesus' day, it was used, uh, Paul says, there are God's many and Lord's many. There were plenty of men who had uh, little principalities and kingdoms and exercised their powers. You see, Felix and Festus and Herod and Caesar predominantly. And there came a time when Roman power said, you've got to make up your mind now. Who is your Lord? Do you acknowledge that Caesar is Lord? And they said, well, he is our, our king, but... We only have one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. And they were taken to the Colosseum, and they were thrown to the lions. Or they were crucified, crucified upside down. They were set on fire, because they would say, there's only one Lord. And that Lord is Jesus, whom we serve. And then secondly, this word Lord, then, it also looked back to the Old Testament. And it was the word that was used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It was the word that translated Jehovah. He was Lord. He was Kyrios. And uh, our Lord is one Lord. And uh, the Jews then were now told by these Christians that uh, the Lord had become incarnate, that he'd laid aside none of his attributes, he had clothed his glory in the form of a baby, he had taken the form of a servant, he had humbled himself, even to death, and the death of the cross, hiding his power and his glory Veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, Wesley says. And so, he is Caesar's Lord, but he's also the Jews' Lord. And he's the baby born in Bethlehem. 
and you went and you told uh, a Jew, the Lord is born. God has been born and you would find incomprehension. But our faith stands unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, the Lord, Jehovah Jesus, has been born. Who is he in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Tis the Lord. Oh, wondrous story, tis the Lord, the Prince of Glory. Lo, within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. And one day you would find him even stranger place, a stranger place than a manger and a cave. You would find him nailed to a cross between two thieves, taunted and mocked and dying in agony in darkness under the anathema of God saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There has been one in our world greater than the whole world. He once lay in a manger without ceasing to be the world's Lord. And now he continues to be two natures, human and divine, in one person, God forevermore, the incarnate God. The third and the the last uh, uh, feature about this is that he's a saviour unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord so we've come then to this great designation a saviour is someone who delivers a person who rescues from danger a helicopter pilot is a saviour a lifeguard is a saviour a member of a mountain rescue team is a saviour, a fireman, is a a saviour. And here were shepherds and they were longing for a political saviour who would redeem Israel from the jackboot of uh, Roman power. But in the Old Testament, saviour was a divine name. To save is a, a divine prerogative. In Isaiah, God says, look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. He is the exclusive Savior. Jonah, when he is delivered from the great fish, he cries, salvation is of the Lord. Mary says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Creation is a divine work, only God can create providence. In him we live and move and have our being. God directs and guides us. That's a a divine work. Salvation is a divine work too. Resurrection, a divine work. Justification, a divine work. Futile is the salvation of man. Angels can't save. Men can't save. The apostles can't save. Only God. There is no part of his salvation in the law. There is no salvation merely in having a Bible. There is no salvation in going to church and hearing truth preached week by week. There is no salvation even in the Holy Spirit alone. Salvation is in Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Lord. 
And what is he a saviour from? Well, he's not a deliverer from political oppression. As many of our suffering brothers in the Middle East or in North Korea and in other parts of the world know today. He doesn't necessarily promise to save us from those things. He saves us in those things. Or from economic depression and, and poverty. What's he a saviour from? I went to a graveyard uh, in uh, Bonnerbridge in Sutherland and I walked among the graves looking for one grave in particular and I found it. It was John Murray's grave, my old teacher. And I cleared away then the uh, pine needles that always seemed to be drawn to those places and some of the moss and the uh, earwig ran away. I cleared it all up and then I read um, his inscription and uh, that his little girl lies buried with him and now his wife Valerie is buried with him and then there is this verse at the bottom thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sin from their sin that's what Jesus saves us from from our pride from our ego from our self-righteousness from wanting always to do things our way. And he saves us from breaking the Ten Commandments. No other gods but me. Don't worship idols. Don't take my name in vain. Keep a day special every week. Honor your father and your mother. Don't do violence. Don't Get involved in sexual sin. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't covet, but be contented with what God has given you. And oh, how we fail. And our sins are known to God, but he has sent a Savior who delivers us. His name is Jesus. He saves us from our sin. A saviour has been born to you. That's sight to the blind. A saviour has been born to you. That's ears to the deaf. A saviour has been born to you. It makes the lame leap for joy. A saviour has been born to you. It's cleansing for the leper. A saviour has been born to you. And that means pardon. Before the great white throne of God. He's been born to us. That too is the two of offer. That too is the fact that I can say to everybody in Aberystwyth, I have good news for you. I have a saviour for you, for you to receive, for you to take a teacher who will tell you what life is all about. A lamb of God who will take away your sin. A king who will protect you and watch over you Keep you and work everything together for your good. And he's for you to take. For you to turn from your sin to believe in. For you to receive him as your God and, and Savior. A Savior is born to you. And that was the great message. The Jewish man bitten by the fiery serpent. He had a look, didn't he? He had a look to the glittering brass serpent that was there if he looked 
if he did what Moses told him, look to the brazen serpent, he would be healed. If a, a man had accidentally caused the death of another man, he was to go then. When the man's avengers in his family came to kill him, he was to go to a city of refuge where he would be safe. You were to go to Jesus Christ to be safe. He's a saviour of sinners. And only sinners. That's my great problem, that I can't find an abarist with sinners. I've told you often how I was, went round the, uh, the seven-bedder after I talked to one of our members, and I came to a lady, and uh, she said, Oh, I want to die, I want to die. And I said to her, Well, um, if you are going to die, you will need to pray God be merciful to me, a sinner. She said, I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. Of course she meant by that. She wasn't a criminal. Her face hadn't appeared in a photograph in the Cambria News, the local newspaper, and she'd been accused of shoplifting or drunkenness and disorderliness. She hadn't done any of those things. Of course she wasn't. But when you read those Ten Commandments, when you see them summarily comprehended in Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're a sinner. We are all sinners. We've come short of God's glory. We need a savior. And God in his love has so loved the world that he's given his only son to be that savior. Who by his righteous life as the proper man and by his atoning death on the cross, then, how he has made atonement for us. And so you see the significance now of, uh, of this baby. It's not Mr. Everyman who's been born here, and it's a wonderful thing for a, a baby to be born. Um, my grandson's wife was due on Christmas Eve. And now three days have gone by and Sybil still hasn't got this baby. The baby's very comfy and happy where he is just now. And so we're waiting with eagerness for the baby to be born. And it'll be a wonderful, happy day for us. But we're not celebrating babies. We are separating God's holy child, Jesus. The Messiah. The Savior. The Lord. And he's for us. For us to receive him. For us by faith to take him. And to say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. Our Heavenly Father, we ask thee to help us then to receive with thanksgiving and delight the news of uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. Deliver us from a cold familiarity with a story of the coming of the Christ child and help us to bring what we have and what we are in its weakness and its need to thee for deliverance and transformation and help. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.